the same God. This is who we worship tonight. He's the same. He's the same. Touch the lepers, I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. Every change, oh, forever change. We feel you now. You're the same God. You're the same. 
A very good afternoon to one and all. And even as we prepare ourselves, I invite you to take this moment to quieten down your hearts. And would you just say a little prayer even as we gather in His presence? Because there's an invitation going out to all of us. An invitation to come as we are. And that we need not hide our worries. We need not hide our concerns. We need not hide what stresses us. We need not hide our struggles. But He, he invites us to lay it all before Him because He sees it anyway. And Lord, we pray that even as we open with this song, God, we ask that you open the eyes of our hearts to see deeply the way that you have been carrying us, the way that you have been holding us even through this week, Lord. Thank you, Father. Stand and join me. Let's sing verse 2. Not by our wisdom.
Thank you, Lord, that it is that we can look to you for strength. We can look to your love to embrace us as we journey each day. We look to your grace and your mercy upon each one of us. We thank you for the week that has passed. Indeed, O oh Lord, we thank you for the many blessings that you have given to us the grace that enables us to go through every day. Your word tells us that he who waits upon the Lord shall renew their strength every day and we can mount up with wings like eagles. And that your promise to us is that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that in every situation that we go through, that you are there with us holding our hand and leading us on. So, Father, this afternoon as we come into your presence, we want to come and enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. So turn our hearts towards you today as we offer you our praise and worship as we lift the name of Jesus high. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to All Saints. To our service this afternoon Maybe you'd like to turn to someone And welcome someone into our, into our presence of the Lord And say it's so good to see you in the house of God today Turn to you. 
Welcome you 
Promise Messiah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.
Stand by your grace. We stand by your mercy. It's the work of the cross. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father.
Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the, he- of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In Christ alone, I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope in Christ alone. My source of hope is Christ alone. I place my trust. I find my My source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. My source of strength, my source of hope is Christ alone. Our source of hope is in you, O oh God. May you continue to be our source of strength, our source of hope in the days ahead, in every situation that we go through. May we find strength in you, O oh God, because you are our strength. And you are our hope. Thank you, Lord. Church, can I invite you to be seated as we come before the Lord for a time of prayer? Let's come before the Lord as we bring before Him the needs of our church, 
and the needs of the people around us. Let's look to the Lord this afternoon. O oh God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we pray for men of every race and in every kind of need. Make your ways known to us, O oh God. Make your way known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Father, even as we think about, as we read the news, as we watch the news, we realize there are tensions across nations. At this time, I'm going to ask you to name to the Lord the news, the nations that are in tension. Just lift them up before the Lord. Any country that the Lord will place upon your heart. The nuclear powers that are trying to take power in this world. The countries that are trying to survive. The countries that are in turmoil. The political parties that are struggling for power. Just name them to the Lord. Nations that the Lord lay upon your heart. Scripture says that we ask the Lord for a nation and He will give us them as inheritance. Father, we come before you and we believe, oh God, that you are the one who placed the different nations on the map of the world. And surely you have a purpose for this nation. We think about North and South Korea, the tensions that are going on in these countries. We think about Japan, in fear of a war, of a pending war. Father, we pray, Lord, that you be upon the governments of this nation, the leadership of this nation. Grant them wisdom. Grant them discretion as they rule their nation. We pray that they will walk out the purposes that you have for each one of them. And God, we pray, Lord, that your saving power be seen in this nation as your children in this nation call out to you for grace and mercy. Yes, O oh God, that in your mercy, we ask that you hear our prayer. Oh God, we pray for the church throughout the world. We pray that you will guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit. That God, that all who call upon your name all who profess ourselves and call ourselves Christian may be led by the way of truth in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. At this time, we want to pray for our church. We all know that today is AGM. Let's take a moment to pray for all saints.
we acknowledge that this is the church of the Lord. We acknowledge that this is His church and we are part of the kingdom of God. Take a moment to just thank the Lord for the leadership of this church. Thank the Lord for Pastor Darren, the ECC that has served last year and this year. And the various cell leaders, the pastoral team. Father, thank you for everyone who serve you. The different ministry heads, the many volunteers that we have. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who serve. Thank you that we can call this our church. And that, Lord, that you have given us gifts and talents that we can serve you in a very tangible way as we seek to lift the name of Jesus high, as we seek to honour and glorify your name in and through our service to you and to one another. So Lord, today we want to commit our AGM into your hand. Father, thank you for those who have served you in the last one year. We thank you for the team, a new team that is coming on to serve you in the next one year. We pray for your wisdom, spirit of wisdom and understanding upon every one of them. As each time the ECC meet to discuss issues, discuss matter for the good of your church. May we all seek your strategy and your agenda, O God, for the furtherance of your kingdom in and through this church. So God, in your mercy, we ask that you hear our prayer. Father, we come before you through your fatherly goodness. We pray for all those who are anxious and distressed in body and mind. We pray that you will comfort and relieve everyone in all our needs, Lord. That God, that you give us all patience in our suffering and bring good out of all our troubles. At this time, just name before the Lord someone that you know who may be anxious or distressed in mind and body. We want to look to God, the Lord God, our great physician, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, that the Lord will stretch forth of His healing hand upon the physical bodies and strengthen the bodies and heal and heal us all who are not well. Yes, O oh God, grant us patience as our body recover. So, merciful Father, we ask that you accept this prayer for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
Now we have um, Joel to come and make some announcement for the church camp. Hi, good evening, church. Uh, it's great to see everyone again. Um, just to inform you, uh, because of AGM today, uh, we will not be opening the payment booth uh, to facilitate uh, faster dinner so that we can carry on with AGM uh, quicker so that everyone can leave earlier. Uh, we understand that we don't want to hold all of you back too long. However, we are continuing to open the payment booth following week, uh, and we hope to finish collecting the payment by the first week of May. And we understand that uh, everyone is here today, so just to inform you that to facilitate that, we will also be opening the payment booths uh, on Sunday service as well, every alternate Sunday service. So starting next week on the 23rd of April on a Sunday, there will be someone there on the Sunday service to be uh, there to help collect the payment. And on the 7th of May as well, on Sunday service, uh, there will be someone there to help collect payment. Uh, Saturday service, every week, there will be someone there to collect payment. Uh, the payment booth is just always uh, right there outside the main sanctuary. And uh, do come and take your shirt sizing as well. Uh, yeah. If not, uh, for those that are still pending on coming, uh, it's still not too late to sign up. Yeah. Uh, we have availability for all of you, not to worry. And for those of you that can't make it, uh, we will just keep you in prayer as well, yeah. Uh, thank you, and hope to see you there. Uh, currently, we have 90-something, yeah. We haven't hit 100 yet, yeah. Uh, we, of course, we want everyone to come. Uh, but hope, we wanted about how 120, yeah. We are, yeah, we accommodated for that, yeah. Yeah, about there, yeah. Okay, yeah, thank you. Uh, now we have the announcement videos. Yeah, thank you. Hi. Um, I signed up for camp this year hoping to bond with the people there and to learn something new. Um, what does Kainos bring to mind? I guess it brings to mind a certain freshness and newness, so it's aligned with what I hope to learn from camp. So, uh, Uncle Barry, how many camps have you gone for? Too many to remember. I started going to church camps uh, in the late 1980s. Uh, some I may not attend, some uh, by and large, most of it I extend, uh, attended. Oh, is there any fond memory that you have from church camp? Oh, the fondest memory I had was the one in Malacca, in uh, uh, Tanjong Bidara, where we had this resort. Every time it rains and uh, Thunder and lightning have uh, strikes it. Uh, the camp goes into a blackout mode. <laughs> then uh, uh, the caretakers got to go and turn on the generator and all that. And, but the important thing is on that day, uh, at that camp, we actually had some activities. And one of the activities was how to ferry the family members from one end to the other end. And here I was, 30 years old plus. Was Peggy, uh, piggyback mommy and then carry you, Sean and uh, Tadis together. One person carrying three person trying to cross the finishing line. But now, much, much older, I don't think I can do that anymore. What do you look forward to in uh, this year's church camp? Um, actually, I find that most of the service days, uh, we are reach a point where it's high and by within five minutes and all that. Church camp and to a certain extent, even cell group meetings are important where you can come together for a few days, 
and get engaged with uh, church friends, newer church members, and actually get yourself acquainted with what they like, don't like, and build up a relationship. And I think it's very, very important, especially for the younger generation, to come and attend some of the church camps and get to know each other much, much closer and better. How do you envisage uh, revival to be for uh, ASE or for yourself? Uh, if you look at it, my generations are getting fewer and fewer and I think to a certain extent the youths need to take on the uh, mantle of uh, bringing this church forward and the, the current generation requires a lot more youths to come in. Things are quite different from our generation. So I think it's very good that um, we have the school youths involved, we have the the rest of the other younger members coming in and the more they actually be part and parcel of the church and get involved in some of the activities, I think it will be good for the church for the long run. Thank you. See you at the church camp. Will do. See all of you then. Shall we prepare ourselves as we take off a tree? Right. Oh yes, please stand. Thank you.
Good evening, brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, I'll be glad to be able to share the Word of God with you once again. And uh, today, pardon me, I'll be using some uh, Singapore colloquial language. <laughs> yeah. um, today, we are continuing the series on walking in a worthy manner. And um, the scripture reading for today is... In John chapter 13, verse 1 to 20. John chapter 13, verse 1 to 20. Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside the outer garments and taking a towel tied around his waist, 
Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing to you, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Then Simon Peter said to him again, Lord, do not only wash my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to be washed, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I sent receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we pray that you will anoint my lips as I speak your words, anoint our hearts, Lord, as we receive your word and put them into practice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm happy to introduce to you yet another new Christian virtue called love, L-O-V-E. Now, the Holy Week has just passed. Last week was Easter, right? The Holy Week has just passed. But... In today's passage, we are harking back to that time in the upper room where Jesus, with the cross weighing heavily on his heart, would eat his last supper with his disciples on Monday, Thursday. Today's passage, John chapter 13, okay, records for us Jesus' last lesson for his disciples before he offered up his life as a sacrifice on the cross. Very often, the last word of a dying person is the most important, right? You know, whenever we have a relative who is on his or her deathbed, 
we would be by the bed to pay attention to that very last word. Now, if we are to give our last words, what would that be? Think about it. Will it be, um, John, you did not pack your closet. You must go and pack. Or, you know, would it be, Sharon, you didn't uh, mop the floor. You should go and mop the floor. Those shouldn't be the last word, right? Maybe we should think of uh, some profound word to say so that those who are listening will remember them forever. Well, maybe not forever, you know, at least for a long time. Jesus' last lesson too was most important for his disciples as well as for all of us. And all the, of all the lessons that Jesus taught his disciples, you know, and his, uh, the, his last and most important lesson for us and for his disciples was actually servanthood in the form of feet washing. Now the disciples must be thinking, what? Why not teach us how to like conjure up some uh, healing power or power over nature, you know, like we saw on the boat? Or maybe power over death, something more spectacular, something more supernatural. Servanthood, the most important. Well, you heard it. Yes, servanthood is the most important for followers of Jesus Christ. Now, the principle behind feet washing is really servanthood. And, you know, in those uh, days during Jesus' time, feet washing is actually one of the lowest tasks in a Jewish home. It's necessary because their roads are dusty and dirty, even though the Romans were famous for building roads. Now, if this is really a job normally left for the slave of the household, but if there is no slave, okay, then the host himself will have to do the washing. Of course, in the case of Jesus and his disciples, you don't expect Jesus to do, right? No. So it must be one of his disciples. And typically, the last disciples who enter the house will take on that task. Apparently, some scholars believe that it was Peter that needed to do the feet washing. Why? Because of the arrangement of the table and the position that he was seated. But he didn't do it. That is also possibly why the reason for Peter's refusal for Jesus to wash his feet. No. I have a picture. I was actually searching for some pictures. And of course, you see this picture is the most famous Last Supper painting by Leonardo da Vinci. But according to the New Testament tradition, this depiction is not correct. And I have another picture. Okay, now this picture shows a typical way of the New Testament people dining. Okay, how that's how they would dine. Now, this picture is actually an illustration of how the disciples would recline at the table, okay, with their legs sticking out behind, you know. And uh, people, uh, it's kind of a Greek and Roman style of dining, okay. And it is in a U-shaped fashion, you know, the tables are arranged that way, and it is called the triclinium, okay. 
Now, food may be served at the centre while the diners are, you know, reclining at the outskirts of the triclinium. And I just found this picture of the Last Supper, okay? If you can see, I have labelled the names and the position of the sitting, you know. So, picture three, this picture three actually shows the position of Jesus as the host, seated on the left side, second place in the triclinium. By reading John chapter 13 from verse 23 to 28, which I did not read, okay, you can go back and read, we can figure out roughly the position of John, Judas Iscariot, and Peter at this U-shaped table. So you can see Peter on the extreme right corner, which is the least of the position in the triclinium. Now, Jesus himself took on the role of the feet washing. Really, it's not because Peter did not do his job, okay? Because he wanted it to be a last object lesson for his disciples. Now, throughout Jesus' ministry, the pattern has always been Jesus teaching his disciples, and the disciples will learn by observing and listening. Now, the object of this lesson usually, uh, all these lessons in his uh, ministry, usually are daily life items, like, for example, you know, the coin, master seeds, or the sheep and the goats, you know, or someone like the blind, the sick, or the demon-possessed. But this time, his disciples are the objects of the lesson. Jesus served the disciples by washing their feet, you know, one of the lowest tasks of a servant. From John chapter 13, okay, we can gather three key elements to the most important lesson of all, servanthood. The first point, servanthood is motivated by love for one another. Second, servanthood requires the attitude of humility. And thirdly, servanthood is commanded and exemplified by our Lord and teacher, Jesus Christ. Point one, servanthood motivated by love. You know, in John chapter 13, just now I read, verse 1 tells us that Jesus, having loved his own disciples who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Okay? And the question we want to ask ourselves is, what then is our motivation to serve? There are many reasons for serving. You know, maybe I'll just name a few, okay? Some people serve out of duty, you know? Hey, as Christian, uh, I think it is our duty to serve in church. Well, the Hebrews who came out of Egypt were also given the duty to obey the Ten Commandments as well. But the motivation for keeping the law was not the duty. It was out of fear because they vowed that all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And they were afraid that God would punish them with death if they disobey. Eventually, they stopped keeping the law altogether. Why? Because they realized that, hey, 
I didn't die for disobeying, you know. So much so for obeying out, uh, serving out of duty. And then another group of people will say, no, they serve out of obligation, you know. Yeah, better serve at least in one area. Before, our uh, pastor come and nag, 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 nag at us. You know, at least uh, now we are serving already, uh, then pastor will leave us alone. You know? Or some will say, Pai say, uh, not so nice. Uh, I've become a member for so long, uh, better serve somewhere. You know? Then another group of people will say, hey, I s- they serve because they want to feel good or be recognized. And some people will come to the cell uh, leaders, you know, and or not not sell it. Some people will say, that, "Oh wow, I love the clapping and the cheering of the crowd when I lead uh, worship." You know, uh, out here, out front. Okay, I'm not saying about worship leaders, huh? I'm just saying there's uh, this group of people, you know. And some people who are in charge of the ministry will say, "Hey, hello, I'm the ministry leader. You no, know? you shouldn't be talking to my uh, ministry uh, member. But talk to me." You know, so they are very proud of uh, their position as leaders of their ministry. And then some eventually serve because they felt that there's a need. You know, wow, so many children running around, too rowdy. Let's gather them and give them Bible study class. Well, I guess that's how probably how Sunday schools were started, you know. Yeah, to fulfill the need of uh, situation. But whatever the motive may be, all reasons are insufficient. All reasons are deficient in themselves. People who are motivated by whatever reason there may be, okay, may leave certain people out. For example, they're serving, but they will say, hey, this one, uh, my long-time enemy, I can't serve, lah. Cannot bow that low. And then there are some people, hey, this, I don't like this person. Oh, hey, that person, uh, no good. Too inconvenient to serve that person. You know, there are so many conditions around. But Jesus washed his enemy's feet. Jesus washed Judas Iscariot, his betrayer. Jesus washed the feet of those who doubted him. Jesus washed the feet of Peter, who eventually denied knowing him. And Jesus washed the feet of all his disciples who abandoned him in the garden moments later. What was the motivation for Jesus to serve his disciples? I can only say love. Love is the only motivation that compels Jesus to serve his disciples despite of the various attitudes they have towards him. Not only just simple love, but it is the God kind of love that has no condition. Brothers and sisters, let the love of God be that motivation to serve Christ's community. Such a love, Paul says, is patient, is kind, does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it's rejoice in truth. And this love bears all things, believes all things, 
hopes all things and endure all things. And this love never ends. 1 Corinthians 13. Some versions translate, and this love never fails. But I think the word end is a better word. Because Paul went on to say, as for prophecies and tongues and knowledge, they will cease or come to an end. But love will never come to an end. And Pastor Mabel will expand on the topic of love further next week. Point number two. You know, for Jesus as Lord and teacher to put down his cloak, pick up the tower, you know, and the basin, and to wash his disciples' feet is really unprecedented. That's why servanthood requires the attitude of humility. I think for many of us, you know, to be able to uh, come to that stage, that low, you know, to wash somebody's feet, is really a challenge. But, you know, Jesus did it. And about 30 years ago, when I was still young, okay, I was actually in a church service overseas, not, not in Singapore, during the Holy Week period. Then the pastor decided to wash his congregants' feet during service. Okay, the con- congregation is not very big. Huh? Yeah. So at that time, I was a little skeptical, you know, because of, I knew him to be quite a proud man. So I scratched my head and said, did he do it to feel good or to be recognized? Or did he do it because he believed that it is his duty to demonstrate humility? Well, today, we talk about feet washing as a noble thing to do. So noble that we say, it's not for me, lah. Let the pastors do it. So, some people will say, oh, wow, you know, to the uh, cell leaders, you wash your cell members' feet. ah. Bravo to you, man. Not everyone wants to wash someone else's feet apart from special reason. Like, for example, you may have a relative that's bedridden or you need to clean up your young child after playing in the mud. But, uh, to wash my cell members' feet? Maybe they will think that I'm trying to show off. And also, not many people want to be washed. You know, the popular phrase among Singaporeans is, my la, paisei. And some might say, huh, he wants to wash my feet. Then after that, I must wash his feet. Ah. No, thank you. You know? So, like Jesus, if we really love enough to serve then we must really put on the attitude of humility to serve especially those people who are not in good terms with us. Serving is really not conditioned by the people we serve. Serving is conditioned by our hearts towards God and His people regardless of who they are. Whenever we serve, we are actually serving God. I think you all already understood that. You, know, uh, you can refer to Matthew 25 about the parable of the sheep and goats, you know, where Jesus said to them, you, know, uh, you have visited me in prison. Since when? You do it to the least of my brothers. 
You know, the author of Hebrews called on Christians to show hospitality to even strangers. What for? Well, who knows? You may be entertaining angels, right? Peter's refusal to let Jesus wash his feet could result in losing his share with Jesus, you know, having no part in Jesus' ministry, who maybe no part in salvation as well. So please, okay, if, some, if your cell leaders want to wash your feet, huh, please do not refuse to be served, okay? As I have mentioned earlier, feet washing actually is an example of servanthood. But it is not, we do not necessarily need to wash someone else's feet, you know, much less kiss them. I can't imagine. So we can always do other things like, for example, serving a table or cleaning up after others or stack up the chairs after meeting. In fact, I'm very glad that some of us are already serving by keeping the cupoles, serving food during our fellowship dinner, teaching the children, the other side, you know, uh, the Word of God. And by the way, you know, we need one more teacher to teach the toddler. If you want to volunteer, that would be great. And how about Bedok South, you know? Yeah, I, okay, I don't want to leave out those people who are inside. You know, they are also serving. Praise the Lord, you know. But in every service, okay, humility is the right attitude that pleases the Lord. Why? Because the humble attitude always sees others more significant than ourselves. You can read that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Right? Love see the house of God as our own. That means when you come into the church, it is your church, your own house. Love sees the church property as our own. Whatever equipment we use is our own. We take care of them. And there is no better reason why we should serve one another except to see with love that our brothers and sisters in Christ as our own brothers and sisters, you and I, we are brothers and sisters. Love not only motivates us to serve, but it also motivates us to be humble in every way. Okay, my final point. Servanthood is commanded and exemplified by our Lord and Teacher, Jesus Christ. Now, serving one another is a command from the Lord. Why do I say that? You know, it was never mentioned, you know, it's not in the Ten Commandments. I find the words of Jesus in verse 13 to 15 very, very fascinating. You know, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, show that to you. If I then, your Lord and teacher, okay, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Now, the disciples throughout Jesus' ministry have considered Jesus as their teacher. There's no doubt about it, you know. And Jesus, as a teacher, demonstrated servanthood to them by washing their feet. But Jesus 
corrected their perspective and said, I then your Lord and teacher instead of teacher and Lord. In a sense, Jesus is saying, rightfully, you should first call me Lord, then your teacher. Jesus didn't say, okay, if you think that I'm worthy after showing you every, all the demonstration, and you can consider me as Lord. No. Jesus is saying, I am your Lord. Do what I tell you. As Lord, Jesus asserted his authority. Therefore, servanthood, I would consider not an option, but a command from our Lord to his disciples, you and I. Okay. But this command is very special because Jesus led the way by demonstrating to each and every of his disciples. Throughout his ministry, Jesus has been leaving out the principles of servanthood for his disciples to see. Did they see it? Of course not. In their mind, they still want Jesus to be their king, to overthrow the Roman government. During Jesus' ministry, he never stopped reiterating the lifestyle of a servanthood. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 to 12, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever himself, whoever exalts himself will be humble, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Again, in Matthew 20, 25, 26, about, you know, when they're arguing who is the greatest, Jesus called his disciples together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, Matthew recorded this passage when the mother of James and John asked Jesus to let her son sit by his side when he comes again. But Luke, however, recorded the argument in the upper room. Imagine with me, eh? everyone of you, imagine with me Luke chapter 22, verse 24 to 27. The disciples were reclining at the table, arguing who is the greatest. And then Jesus was standing with the towel around him and the water or basin in his hand. And then he said to them, the king of the Gentiles exercised lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Imagine he's standing now there. Rather, let the greatest among you become the youngest, and the leader is the one who serves. Then Jesus went on to say, For who is the greater? He asked him a question. The one who is reclined at the table or the one who serves? You can imagine the disciples now looking at one another. Hey, we are the one reclining at the table, you know. Jesus is standing down there with the tower and the basin. Then Jesus is not the one who reclines at the table that is greater? Pai say leo, the disciples. Then he said, but I am among you as one who serves. 
Literally, Jesus was saying, I am the serving one. Both verbs, the am and the serving, are in the present active tense in the Greek. And it depicts a continuous action. In a sense, it was something Jesus had always been doing. He's always been going around healing people, casting out demons, feeding the 5,000, the 4,000, teaching them the way of life. All these are serving the people of Israel. He has always been doing that. Servanthood should be the lifestyle of Christians, whether we want to be great or not. You know, actually, I wanted to change the last point, last key. I want to change it to servanthood is the lifestyle of a Christian instead of servanthood is commanded and exemplified. Because I was thinking, you know, commanded and then exemplified. What would that be? Finally, it, is, it dawned on me that it is actually the lifestyle Jesus wants us to have. It's not only a command, but it is exemplified. Yeah. Jesus went on to say in John chapter 13, verse 17, that is very intriguing. If you know this thing, Blessed are you if you do them. Just knowing the principle of servanthood does not bring us a blessing. It is the doing that will bring us the blessing. It should culminate as part of our lifestyle. Of course, let us not serve because we want the blessing. You know, it's not the end product that you want. Let us serve because it is in our nature to serve. Let us serve because it is part of our lifestyle to serve. Many Christians learned and understood the principle of servanthood. You can find many books out there talking about servanthood. But how many Christians stop short of serving? So, serving one another is not an option. It's a command from our Lord and teacher, Jesus Christ. Jesus used the most vivid method to teach this final lesson, not at the deathbed, final lesson, by personally washing his disciples' feet. Oh, how I wish Christians are outdoing one another to serve. In my conclusion, Let love be the motivation to serve one another, just as Jesus did our love for his disciples. Do not set a standard to decide who we should serve, who we should not, because God shows no partiality, neither should we. The attitude of humility sees everyone the same. At what level? Above ourselves. Servanthood is more than a command from the Lord. It has been Jesus' lifestyle and now demonstrated by our great teacher by washing his disciples' feet. Let that be our lifestyle as well, brothers and sisters. In closing, I would like to read to you the words of Jesus in Matthew 23, verse 8 to 12. Actually, I want to read from 2 to 12. Okay, the time, better read from 8 to 12. Jesus said, The Pharisees and the scribes loved the place of honor at the feast, 
and the best seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the marketplace, and being called rabbi by others. But you, you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers, if I may, and sisters. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither call, be called instructors or masters, for you have one master that is the Messiah, the Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have one teacher who exemplified to us the lifestyle of servanthood. We have one father who will exhort us when we serve in humility. And we have one Lord who commanded us to serve one another in love. If we want to be great, sure, we must be servant of all. Let us pray. Dear Lord Jesus, you have taught us your very last and most important lesson before you went to the cross. And that's servanthood. Motivate our hearts to serve because of love for, your, for our brethren, whoever they are. Always remembering that we are actually serving you. Give us the attitude of humility as we serve and to see others all the same and more significant than us. May your command be written in our hearts and may your Holy Spirit compel us to serve both in great things and in small things. And we pray all this in Jesus Christ's most precious name. Amen. Shall we stand as we respond in this song? Thank you, Father. From heaven you came, helpless babe. Entered our world, your glory viewed. Not to be served, but to serve. Our God, the Son. 
thank Pastor Allen for sharing with us the word this evening a timely word to remind us that indeed we have a God who serves and because of that he expects us to serve and truly in our church we do have many opportunities and, op and many ministries for you to serve uh, truly I need worship leaders I need more musicians I need full-time staff so when I approach you, please don't say paise, okay? Please respond to say, yes, I will be willing to serve. So let's close our eyes as we continue to give thanks to the Lord. Father, indeed, we want to thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that indeed you have called all of us to serve you in your church because you have set for us the example and we are to follow them. And so, Father, we continue to give you thanks for all your goodness and your grace. And Lord, even as we prepare ourselves for... Uh, the AGM later on, we pray for your presence to be with us. And now as we depart from this place, we pray for your blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and remain with each and every one now and always. Amen. Let's remain standing as we have the closing song. Thank you. Let's close with this song. Turn our eyes. Jesus, to you we lift our eyes. Jesus, our glory and our prize. We adore you, behold you, our Savior ever true. 
Church, will you please be seated? <laughs> Service is over, but just want to let you know, for those of you who have signed up for the AGM, right, please mark your attendance if you have not done so at the back of the church, and then you may proceed to the side hall over to my right, and you can have your dinner there, all right? The time now is 6.30. Uh, let's maybe take uh, 20 minutes, all right? So let's gather back here by 6.50. If you are here for the AGM, quickly have your dinner. Come back here by 6.50 and we will have the AGM and we would we'll end the AGM um, before 7.30, all right? So with that, uh, God bless you. Service is over. You may proceed to the side hall.